0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 111 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Lime Soldier, an interview with Christina Calandria. My name is Richard Johansson, And I'm Matt Sabatello. Matt, before getting sick from Lyme disease, Christina Calandria was a fitness model and a member of the international bikini team. Now she is the Tick Bootcamp Lime Soldier because she refused to reschedule her podcast interview despite being very sick at the time that we interviewed her. While we were doing the interview, I repeatedly urged her to allow us to reschedule the interview because she was just so sick, but Christina refused to reschedule. She wanted the community to see and hear the real Lyme experience. Richard, what bothers me the most about Christina's Lyme story is that she's been battling this war against Lyme since 1999. More recently, she's met a fellow Lyme soldier, Dr. Jemsek, whose medical license was suspended in North Carolina, which forced him to leave the state and practice medicine elsewhere to continue to help people with Lyme disease has joined forces with Dr. Jemsek, and together, they continue the war against Lyme disease. Matt, I am honored to introduce the Lyme soldier, Christina Calandria. Hey, Christina. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Rick. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited.
0: Well, Matt and I are really blessed to have you, and I know you're going to bless our listeners with uh, you sharing your Lyme disease journey with them. So, Christina, where are you living now?
1: I'm living in Columbia, Maryland.
0: And what do you do there in Columbia, Maryland?
1: I am a certified orthodontic assistant, and, but I am currently unemployed due to having the Lyme disease.
0: I'm sorry that your Lyme journey has taken that turn for you, but uh, I feel very confident that by the end, you're going to uh, be back to doing that and some of the other things you had been doing. So, um, Christina, why don't you share with us where you grew up?
1: I was actually born and raised here in Columbia, Maryland. Um, there was a point where I, I lived in Arizona but that was during my college years so I was here in Columbia Maryland for the most part
0: so you're a Maryland gal through and through yep so when you were a child and you were uh, spending your um, time dreaming about what your future would be what kind of goals and dreams did you set for yourself
1: um well I had wanted to become a model um and that was like kind of coming from my grandmother from her side for her her showing it to me she used to do um some of the same stuff and um so i um, she got me involved with john robert powers which is a some modeling agency um and i didn't really have any other dreams um other than that sole focus I kind of struggled to be honest with you throughout school um, to figure out what I actually wanted to do um, because me being a ballet dancer because I was also a ballet dancer for 17 years um, the doctors just told me that I I couldn't I couldn't dance anymore because of like my my knee damage and ankle damage and stuff and um, I had my it looked like I developed uh, degenerative disc disease, so I couldn't dance anymore. So that kind of got just like squash. So.
0: So, so during the course of your childhood, your dream was to become uh, someone in the entertainment industry. First, um, you were pursuing the athletic arts, but then when the athletic arts uh, were not available to you because of some physical injuries that you suffered, you began to pursue the modeling arts.
1: Correct. Yeah. And I also did um, become, th- through Sterling Jewelers, I became a certified diamondologist, which I, I like diamonds. Um, I just didn't like the, the um, how I had to sell them. I felt pressured, like I had to sell, you know, push these people to buy more than what they wanted. And I'm not that type of person. So I did that. And then I also continued to go to a dental assisting school. And um, but I did that later on after I had gotten married and um, so then I became from a, being a general dental assistant I became a certified orthodontic assistant instead at, with my radiology license. Okay, so let's let's talk about
0: um, your childhood and the pursuit of your um, your artistic dreams first as a as a ballet artist and then ultimately as a uh, as as a model.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: talk about the kind of work you did to prepare yourself for your artistic career um, and, um, and what that ultimately meant to you.
1: Well, uh, pretty much Monday through Saturday, uh, growing up from the age of five to 17, my life was, you know, wake up, go to school. As soon as I came home from school, ate something real quick, put change in my dance outfit and um, go off to the dance class, come home, Eat something real quick, get the homework done, go to bed, and the only day that wasn't like that was Saturday. But I was still dancing on Saturdays. It just didn't. I just didn't start dancing until eleven o'clock a.m., and then it was up, up until eight p.m. So I was really competitive with it. Um, so that's basically what my my schedule looked like um, from the age of five to seventeen
0: ish. Am I correct in my understanding that? Um, you were aggressively pursuing your um, your ballet practice because you were hoping at some point to convert that into a a career. Or a oh career yes, path.
1: absolutely. I, I I was pursuing my ballet path in um, college, um, and I I did it for uh, I think three semesters before the doctors told me and looked at me like. You you can't dance anymore, Christina. This is this you can't. Your body just can't handle it.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. So, you you were a successful enough um, ballet dancer to convert that into your educational path and in going into college. So, where did you go to college, and what was your initial goal when you went to college?
1: Um, I I initially went to um, Scottsdale Community College. That's located in Arizona um, to get my residency. And then I got my residency and transferred over to ASU. Um, and what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. And,
0: and when you went to Arizona, uh, first, um, first to the community college and ultimately to ASU, um, what was your course of study and what were your goals with that? Oh uh,
1: gosh, my, I changed my major so many times. Like I can't, I was, first I was the dance major. And then after the doctors told me I couldn't, do it anymore, I switched to psychology. And then I was like, uh, I'm not so sure if this is for me. Then I switched to criminal justice. And I was like, i uh, not sure if this is for me. And I go to my counselor. I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, well, you know, you have enough credits where you can just, you know, get a associate's degree. I said, what do you mean? And she says, you can do it in general studies. You just, you just have to apply for it because you have enough credits. And I was like, okay, then I just want to apply for it. So I just I got my associate's degree, and then that's when I transferred to ASU, and I um, majored in business administration at that point. Um, and then I did that for two semesters, and then that's when I dropped out and was like, "I, I don't know what I'm spending my our money on," and then it just wasn't fair. So I packed my things up and came back home to Maryland. <laughs>
0: Now, I I understand that you went from pursuing a dance career to then pursuing a modeling career, and part of the reason why you pursued your modeling career is it was sort of a next step, a less, I guess, rigorous or athletic step, but even more importantly, um, it was something that your grandmother had um, instilled a desire in you to do. Can you share with us um, how you then began your modeling pursuits?
1: Yeah, um, I first... uh Modeled Raw sixteen, and that was through the John Robert Powers agency, and um, and then it wasn't until honestly this 2016 that I really uh, started really modeling, uh, for like you know where actually went somewhere and I became part of the international bikini team. Um, Somehow one of my friends recommended that um I go um. I can't remember the venue, but it was somewhere over the Bay Bridge, and over here in Maryland, and um, there was a director of the of a bikini team, and she came up to me, and she says, are you one of the contestants, and I was like, no, and she goes, oh, would you like to participate, like, uh, on this bikini contest and I was just like well I happen to have my bikini on because it was at a location where they like had boats docked and everything and I'm like oh sure yeah I'll, I'll do that so that was in June 2016 and for, up until this day I'm, I'm still part of the team um my place is just on hold for right now um until I get better. Um, so I I miss it very much though. (laughs) I can't wait to get back to them. So let's
0: talk about the bikini team experience and how that developed for you. So you, you, you have this chance opportunity to participate in a bikini contest and that results in you uh, being offered an opportunity to model with that team. Can you talk to us about the types of activities you did with that team and what kind of events you went to prior to you getting sick?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I one of my favorite uh, ev- events that we do every year is called the Sturgis Buffalo Ship. and um, it's the biggest biker rally in the in the U.S. Um, as, to my knowledge, at least. Um, and we um, what we do there is we hold pageants on the big stage every night, um, I think between 9 and 11 PM and um, other events, whether it's in um, the Poconos, we go to a lot, we go overseas, the Dominican Republic. um, And what we'll do is, you know, most of the time we're running um, bikini contests, like within ourselves. And then whoever replaces, they get X amount of money. Um, We also do other stuff like we get hired to be ring girls at like fighting matches, like boxing, UFC, you name it. Um, Or we'll be hired to be golf caddies. Um, And what's another thing that we do? We'll do. We'll just. We'll show up to. I mean, calendar signing events. Um, with like Harley Davidson because she, um the director likes to partner up and work with them. But it's it's definitely a a lot of fun and um, I I I love it.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like you were living a pretty glamorous life and you were um regularly. Uh, serving in some type of a celebrity or modeling capacity during, during many years of your life. Now, why don't you share with us when you first started uh, to show the symptoms of what now you know to be your tick disease and how that began to interfere with your modeling aspirations.
1: Um, okay. So <clears throat> my first time uh, feeling any symptom, I was honestly about 12 years old. And I started having issues with insomnia. And then I was having issues with feeling fatigued. Um, I, you know, and with my dance classes, I just felt frustrated because my team members, you know, seemed to be doing better than I was. And um, they seem to be not being out of breath, you know, and I'm just like, man, I was probably the skinniest one in the room and it just didn't make any sense. And then they, tr- the doctors, you know, tried to, um, tell me that it's probably because, you know, I have sleep apnea and which I had, I, yeah, I have mild sleep apnea, but it's so, so mild that it's, it, it can't really do much for it. And I tried the CPAP machine and I couldn't do that. Um, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like I'm constantly throwing up. I was throwing up multiple times a year. Like I, they're, you know, on average from probably the age of 12 to 17, like I averaged in the hospital up to 10 times a year. And, um, it was, I was vomiting that I got teased for it. Um, at the dance studio, people were making rumors saying that I was bulimic Um, And then that got to my school as well. And then there was even more drama at my school and I had to be transferred schools because of the bullying. And it was awful.
0: Can I, can I ask you to focus on that with me for a minute? So you, you believe all of the symptoms that you're suffering during your childhood are related to your Lyme disease.
1: Correct. Absolutely.
0: Now you said that you were going to doctors as often as 10 times per year. At any time during that part of your journey, did any doctor ever mention to you or a family member that you may be suffering from Lyme disease?
1: Absolutely not. Nobody ever mentioned it. I never had even heard of it. The first time I had had ever heard of it, I think I was 19 years old. And I'm 32 years old right now. But yeah, I was 19 years old. And uh, I heard that one of my fellow uh, members from my high, high school had gotten it, but i didn 't bother to look into it
0: okay so let so now let 's also focus on the same window of time where between uh, you know the very early age when you first started showing your symptoms and now all of these hospitalizations that you had up through high school, mm-hmm. what did you know about ticks and what did you know about Lyme disease
1: at the time i I mean I just knew that ticks weren 't good, and they just suck up blood and that can that can make you sick maybe that's all I knew but like I I remember just going and playing in the woods and like I'd come home and be like oh my you know the a tick on me and she'd sit there and take tweezers and pull it out and she made sure that the head came out and we we burnt the tick um and th- I mean we saw nothing of it
0: so you were bitten by ticks many times during the course of your childhood
1: oh absolutely yeah for sure
0: and other than knowing that you should remove them and that they could possibly make you sick, you didn't know anything else about tick and Lyme disease.
1: Uh, yeah, you're correct. I did. I really didn't know.
0: Okay. So now let's fast forward to you your your college years. Uh, were you continuing to show symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease?
1: Yeah. Um, looking at it, uh, I started having like attention problems. Um, so I went to a psychiatrist, and I was like man, I'm, I'm having troubles focusing, I'm and I'm exhausted, like, can you please help me out here, so they prescribed me Adderall um, to help, and that helped significantly, and I was like, oh, okay, that's all I needed, you know, whatever, I have ADD, okay,
0: so... But uh, unfortunately, your symptoms continue to develop. You, so you you yeah. graduate from college and or you you complete your college education and you now are in pursuit of your modeling career and your yeah. symptoms continue to develop.
1: Yes. They, um, so, when, sh- do you want me to talk about when my symptoms started to really get severe, where something I knew was definitely wrong?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about let's talk about you now at at um, at this stage in your life where you've You've completed your college education. You've now pivoted from your career uh, path as a dancer to your career path as a model. And how your symptoms are beginning to develop, and how they're interfering with your um, your modeling career.
1: Well, I first started um, back in um, last January, January, maybe even December. Um, I, my hair started falling out like crazy. It was just it was just not normal. And then I was noticing that I was needing more and more caffeine to go throughout the day um and then I was becoming very forgetful and my my hips were bothering me really bad, and then my knees would bother me every so often and um so i um hey can you pause that yeah i just yes. i I just like totally. When I started going on my rant, I my brain went.
0: I, we we yeah. understand. We understand. So Matt, exactly, <laughs> Matt, Matt will let it that. I'll just clap. So, okay. So let, let's, Christine. Let's go back to um, talking about your symptoms developing uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, where you started to suffer more severe symptoms than you ever had during the course of your life.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it started with um, my hair falling out and the headaches and then um, needing the energy drinks in order to function. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the bang energy drinks, but they're equivalent to three cups of coffee. And I was finding myself drinking anywhere from two to, I went from two a day to five on top of that. I would go take pre-workout and try to go do a, you know, an exercise routine, and because um, I was in the gym all the time because my modeling, I was known as a, one of the fitness models on the team, so I had to stay fit. And um, the one one day I went to the gym, I felt tired, and I was like, oh, just drink another energy drink. And that was like my sixth one for the day. And then I took pre-workout and I'm at the gym. I'm not there even 20 minutes. And usually a workout for me is about 30. And um, it, I'm not even there 20 minutes. And before I know it, bam, I collapse at the gym. And um, next thing I know, paramedics are being called.
0: Now, Christina, before that event, and it sounds like it was just getting worse and worse and worse before that event where you had your collapse. yeah. Do you know if you were bitten again by a tick? Meaning when was the last time you were bitten by a tick um, prior to you having the event where you collapsed at the gym?
1: Yeah. um, So my second doctor that I had gone to, he said that based off of what he sees with my blood work and all, um, he believes that I was bit for a second time when I first started seeing like my symptoms arise um back um in last january or what when was that you said december or january well it's okay yeah.
0: that's okay um um so but but other than your doctor telling you that he believes that you were reinfected did you yourself remember finding a tick on you that you had to remove around that time
1: No, I, I don't, remember being bit by anything.
0: Okay. So, so you, you're at the gym and you collapse and you said you wake up and the paramedics are treating you. What did the paramedics do? And, um, ultimately, um, did you receive a Lyme diagnosis after that collapse?
1: I, um, I mean, they, they just, they took my vitals, my heart, my heart, um, a EKG showed something off um, and it was kind of like the, it was a, it was, my heart rate was going up and down really fast too and so get to the hospital and they're just kind of like uh, you're fine you just need to you know um, decrease your caffeine intake and so they said it was just like basically a caffeine overdose and like okay, so I went to my doctor, and I, I, um, I told him, something's wrong, something's wrong, and he's, like, well, you know, I'll draw, I'll draw some blood to see what's going on, he even comes back, he goes, everything seems normal, and I'm, like, doc, something is not right, like, this isn't normal, drinking five of these, these a day, and, um, Then, all of a sudden, one day, my mother told me that my my father was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I was like, what? And so, because, like, I was living with them. And so, I went back to my doctor and I said, please, can you test me for Lyme disease? He says, I don't think you have it, Christina. And I was like, oh, you know, I just want to have peace of mind. Just please do it for me. He's like, okay. And sure enough, I tested positive and I had all, all, all the bands. Um, And um, I don't know where you, did you want me to go further with the the doctor's part or? Well,
0: we're going to talk more about that, but I'd like to explore with you a minute um, the conversation you had with your mother, when she told Uh you your dad had Lyme disease. So, Um, How did that come up, and were you surprised that your dad had Lyme disease when your mom shared with you that um, he had recently been diagnosed?
1: Uh, When she told me, I was definitely shocked because, like I said, the only person I knew that had it, they went to high school with me, and um, I had overheard that it could be deadly, but that's all I knew about it, and so it scared me. Um, and I, my, I'm not too sure why they tested my dad, but my dad, he had like joint pain and everything. Um, so I guess that's why they tested him, but.
0: Now, do you believe that your dad suffered his Lyme disease as a consequence of a tick bite just before the diagnosis, or is this something you think he may have been suffering from for many years?
1: Oh no, I think like Looking back, uh, I think this is something my dad contracted years ago, um, just because, um, and he's and he's also a type 1 diabetic on top of it, um, but yeah, I definitely think he was diagnosed, I mean, he was infected years ago, because um, it's amazing, like, watching him, as far as, like, joint pain, he's worse off than I am and he's just like moans grunts everything and you can see he struggles just to sit or get up out of a chair it's so yeah i I think he's at the same stage i am we're both at the stage three
0: christina do you think it's possible that perhaps um your, your dad had actually transmitted the lyme disease to you and that you know maybe um you were suffering from lyme disease congenitally or do you think you, you contracted your Lyme disease as a consequence of a series of tick bites?
1: You know, it's funny you say that because my mom has been diagnosed with lupus, but I know lupus is one of those ones that it, you know, misdiagnosed and is actually a Lyme disease. So if it, there is a part of me that thinks I could have gotten it congenitally from my mother because she could have been infected. Um, but there's also another part of me that was saying no, because I I, I really didn't have any symptoms at all until I was, you know, about 12, maybe, I don't know. So it's, it's so hard to determine. And I mean, my mom went for her, her, you know, test with the doctor and it came up negative, but as we know, sometimes a negative is, is a false negative. So you you don't, we don't really know.
0: So let's talk about your diagnosis. So you, your dad gets diagnosed, you go back to your doctor, um, who had not clinically diagnosed you with Lyme disease, despite having some very classic Lyme symptoms. Uh, but you do demand the Lyme test. He concedes and, and gives you the Lyme test and you now come back Lyme positive. Yes. And um, now tell me how you felt when you got your Lyme disease diagnosis. Were you happy? Were you sad? Or was it some combination of the two?
1: Um, it I mean, it was more of like, oh, okay, here's a relief. This is the, here's, I have an answer as to why I've been, I've been suffering and like what's what's been going on. But then again, I was like, whoa, well, I don't really know much about this. Maybe I should educate myself, you know, Um, and thank God I educated myself because that's how I found out, you know, you really shouldn't go see infectious disease doctors or what have you. You really do need to see an LLMD.
0: So initially your reaction was, all right, I have a diagnosis and I should be able to pretty easily treat this.
1: Yeah, I thought for sure, I, everyone I talked to, um, like friends, co-workers, um, uh, family members, you name it, they're like, oh, you know, um, no big, because my doctor did give me six weeks of doxycycline, and they said, that should take care of it, like, no problem, so there's nothing to worry about, Christina. And as I started reading more and more and more, while I'm doing the six weeks of the antibiotics. I, it was at the fourth week of an antibiotic treatment that I found an LLMD that I decided to go to. Now, uh,
0: I'm sorry, Matt. Um, Christina, when you were, uh, when you were taking your, your six weeks of antibiotics, were you taking oral antibiotics or were you, were you taking intravenous antibiotics?
1: I was taking it oral at the time.
0: And how did the antibiotics affect you? Meaning, did you, did you receive some relief initially uh, or were they affecting you in some other way?
1: Unfortunately, my body went haywire and it went south. Um, I started dropping weight drastically. I went from 120, I went from 120 pounds down to 94 pounds, and then I started developing with um, the Lyme rage, and I was herxing really bad, and I went and actually attempted suicide. Um, twice, uh, just a day apart from each other. And um, it's just, you know, I, I've struggled with mental health issues, like, since I was 15. But that's, you know, you know, my current LLMD is telling me that my psychiatric issues could be related to the Lyme. But, yeah, I, th- I think that's why I, I herched in that manner is because I'm a- I was already, you know, you know it, having bad mental experiences from it.
0: So, let's, so, Christina, you shared with us that you were starting to have some mental health issues after you started to uh, take the course of uh, doxycycline that was uh, prescribed to you. Yes. One of the things that, you know, we've consistently observed is that mental health challenges are often a uh, presentation of Lyme disease. In fact, the uh, guest we interviewed just before um, you this morning uh, shared with us that she went through a period where she was going through Lyme rage, where there were all kinds of angry outbursts that ultimately had her uh, deal with some job-related issues because although she's a generally passive person, she was getting angry and she was engaging in all kinds of outbursts. So that's a pretty common experience. Can you share with us, how your mental health issues were presenting now that you were taking your antibiotics.
1: Oh yeah. Um, it, the Lyme rage was definitely present for sure. Um, I was so irritable. I'd snap at everybody. Um, it was almost like I was, I was looking for fights to pick and, Um, I I just felt like such a very unhappy person because of it. And, and then I became super depressed because I felt like, like, um, I felt like I was losing my friends because of the Lyme disease and, um, I just got very suicidal and, um, I decided to pull the trigger on trying to, um, take my own life and twice um, for just a day apart from each other. So,
0: well, Thank God you were not successful in, in, in those efforts.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, thank God. So, so, Christina, tell us, tell us um, you know, what your, your medical journey was like after that, meaning you're, you're, beginning to, you're beginning to have mental health challenges. Are you discussing yeah. those with your doctors, and what are your doctors doing to help you to deal with the mental health challenges and specifically the Lyme rage?
1: Okay, um, well, there's a RN I see at a psychologist's office, at, um, and she's my provider, and she's on totally on board with my treatment and with my LLMD, and um, my I first started seeing an LLMD, um, I got it. it took me about, like, a month to get in, and that LLMD, I... I did not like her that much. Um, so I switched to another LLMD, and this is the one that treated me while I was herxing really bad and got hospitalized. And um, due to the hospitalization and how he handled the situation and his lack of concern and telling me he wants to put me on another medication that could have a side effect to suicide, I was like, oh uh no I can I can't be doing this. And he didn't, didn't even bother to call to check up on me, even though he knew I went into the mental institution. Um, so I said I need to see a new doctor and long long story short, um I watched a documentary called Under Our Skin and it has Dr. Jemsek on there. And I thought he was in North Carolina, and then his practice closed and stuff, but then I realized that he's actually, you know, reopened, and he's here in D.C., and uh, so I got super excited, and um, I mean, there were some events that happened in in between, but now I'm seeing Dr. Jemsack, and I love his protocol and his approach on things, because it's uh, um, a lot more safer approach.
0: So talk to us about the journey to Dr. Jemsek, who, um, as our listeners, I'm sure, are well aware of, um, there was an effort uh, by the state of North Carolina to remove his medical license, um, and he he was recently cleared. And we actually celebrated um, uh, the clearing of Dr. Jemsek um, and uh, the withdrawal of the charges that were brought uh, against him by the state of North Carolina. So thank God that happened because he wouldn't be there in D.C. for folks like you to um, have have as a treating physician.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: So tell us about Dr. Jemsek and how he has been different for the way he's been treating you than everyone else that you worked with before you um, were blessed enough to find him.
1: Um, Dr. Jemsek is absolutely amazing. And his staff, too, just, they're so knowledgeable. And they are, are like, his bedside manner and his... Nurses' bedside manners are just amazing. Their their attention is a hundred percent on you. Not, I didn't wait. I don't think more than a minute or two, two tops in the like the exam room by myself. Like until we came back in, um, it was just uh, his approach. How he does it is they like to make sure they stabilize you first and and that, that means mentally as well. Um, so that's why they're working hand in hand with a nurse practitioner that's at my, my psychiatrist's office. And they first started me on a bunch of supplements to boost my immune system because they saw that my immune system is like really low. And so they try to boost it first because they didn't want my body fighting when my immune system is being low so we boost the immune system and they've just recently um last week got me started on the antibiotics so i'm starting to feel some like cognitive impairment going on because c- i'm perksing, but um yeah so then um i i wound up at did i say i wound up at gem sex office yeah
0: you, you did, Christina. Yes, you. You said that um, you've you've been working with Dr. Jemsek now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, Because I can't. I can't say enough how amazing he is, and um, he's worth a trip if people are looking for an LLMd. I mean, <clears throat> there's nobody better. Like literally nobody.
0: <laughs> so tell us. Tell us about. Um, how you doing now? Meaning, I understand that you're in the middle of uh, of a new treatment protocol with Dr. Jemsek, and I yeah. understand that uh, there are some cognitive challenges that you're facing because um, you're in the midst of this new treatment. Uh, but tell us how you're doing now, mm-hmm. and what your hopes are for um, completing your treatment with uh, Dr. Jemsek's office.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for the most part, like my. My symptoms are a little bit at bay, except for the cognitive part. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys could probably tell, but, um, for my memory, I'm definitely struggling. And, um, what was the second part of the question, Matt?
0: How, how are you, um, what, what are you expecting to happen as you progress through your treatments with Dr. gem sex office?
1: Oh, uh, I think that my herxing might get worse. Um, to be honest, uh, but not too much. I think I'm just going to have to like need my wheelchair more often. Um, because if I walk too far, like my legs feel super weak and then they want to give out. And then for the next three days, I'm paying for all the energy, you know, I, I spent on myself. So, um, excuse me.
0: So Christina, can you share Uh with us? What you're doing for your herxing.
1: Um, for detox, for herxing, you have to detox. And what I do for that is um, I dry brush every day. And for whoever doesn't know what that is, it's like a, um it's a, it's a brush. I think it's made out of boar's hair. They can make it out of other stuff too. Um, but you, you use it to brush your, your skin and you go up in the motion towards your, the way of your heart with every part of your body and you would go two to three strokes over each part and that help, helps open up um your pores and helps your body to be able to detox another way to um some people do it once a day some people do it twice a day it's up to them um i do it at least once a day and then um The best thing for if you can is to shower right afterwards. And they say that helps with the herxing um, and the symptoms um, and detoxing. Um, Also taking Epsom salt baths um, 15 to 20 minutes, no longer than 20 minutes, because if you sit there for longer than 20 minutes, those toxins can actually get reabsorbed back into your body. So that's like really, really, really important um and then oh, so, oh I'm, I'm drinking tea by the yoji teas i i get mine from wegmans um at the, i mean you can buy them online on amazon they're, they're great so i ha- i have the regular just plain detox the peach flavor wild berry flavor it tastes great you don't even need to add anything to it um and stretching been stretching a lot um that also helps with detoxing as well so yeah those are those are my main ones
0: okay so your your talk your detoxing framework includes um dry brushing uh epsom Epsom salt baths but only for 20 minutes so you don't reabsorb any of the toxins um you're drinking uh herbal teas and, and they're, they're assisting you as well. And the fourth uh, step in your framework is you're also doing some stretching, some light exercising.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And are you finding that those combination of steps that you're taking are helping you through the, the Herxheimer reactions that you're getting from your antibiotics?
1: Yeah, I believe it's helping them from getting worse. Um, I, I tried to detox as much as I could last night. So I could make sure I was at my best today. And I'm like, it's like a bummer. I keep feeling myself like, you know, I can hear myself like being affected. But
0: No, you're doing wonderfully. And we really appreciate you taking this time. So, so Christina, one of the last things I wanted to talk to you about, and you've been really generous with your time. Uh, is, uh, is the transformation that you've gone through. And I understand now that, um, you know, now that you're at another place in your journey, that you're a little less active on social media than you had been before. But, but one of the things that attracted us to you and made us want to interview you for this podcast is that you're one of the very active people in the social media community giving back to folks who are going through uh, struggles with Lyme disease and you're putting yeah. up Wonderful photos, and you're talking about your experience um, as someone on a Lyme disease journey uh, pretty regularly. So can you talk to us about what inspired you to start giving back and what inspired you to use social media as your vehicle to give back to the Lyme community?
1: Um, honestly, it, it was my my team, the International Bikini team. It made me realize being part of them that because of, I have a couple thousand followers, um, and the plan is to get more, um, it made me realize, I said, holy crap, I, I might be able to get to some people, and people that are struggling, like I am, and feel like they have no hope, and that there's, you know, nothing can be done, and I'm like, I, I, if I start posting about it, about it, and I need, I need people to be advocates, and, you know, be aware, people really need to be aware, even if they don't, they don't have the tick, or they don't know anybody that has it, you know, or whatever, you know, people need to start being educated, I and I was like, I don't want people to feel like they're alone, either, and, and that, like, there's, people just like them who are struggling just as hard and we're just you know trying to keep a straight face the whole time and just keep pushing through and it's it's nice to feel like you're not alone and i wanted to be able to give that gift to to others
0: so christine i'm going to ask you one last question after thanking you for um not only giving so much of your time to us today, but to giving so much to the Lyme disease community by uh, using your platform as a vehicle for letting people know that although um, you are a bikini model and you are uh, living the life in many ways of a, of, of a celebrity athlete or a celebrity model, that there is a lot of pain behind the beautiful pictures that you're posting and, um, and that you are uh, letting others know that they're not alone. So thank you for doing that work. And, and I'm going to ask yeah. you one more thing. I'm going to ask you to give us one more thing as part of this podcast. And that is, yeah, in, sure. the, in the event that, God forbid, someone in your family came to you and they were and they told you that they, they had a tick biting them, what advice would you give to them so they wouldn't have to go on the terrible journey that you unfortunately find yourself on?
1: Oh, um, for them to, if they can save the tick, definitely save the tick. Um, bringing it into the doctor so they can examine it, see if it is a deer tick or what kind of tick it is and such. And then, um, you know, ask ask the doctor to give you the doxycycline. Um, I, I personally, I I wouldn't want to take the risk of saying if it is or not a tick, I'd say take the six weeks, the oxycycline anyways, (laughs) but just to be on the safe side. Um, because I can't, I couldn't imagine going through this Lyme journey ever again. And it's, it's terrible.
0: Thank you for listening to the tick bootcamp interview with our guest, Christina Calandria to our listeners. We have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Christina Calandria and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram page at hot underscore lime underscore mess. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a tick by blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to offer fourth don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our tech bootcamp podcast and finally please take a minute
1: to leave us a review on iTunes or on our website thank you for listening